Amarillo, Texas, they had a place where uh, they had a 76 pound, uh, ounce steak. 76 ounce? 76 ounce. My goodness. And they would give it to you free yeah. if you ate it up. Well, good luck. I'm looking at that thing. That's enough beef for probably the next uh, three months. So that could be enough uh, right there for uh, for quite a while. And he's doing it. He wants uh, he wants that shot glass. Not to mention he's washing it down with an ice cold beer. Speaking of beer, Dollar Miller Lite drafts until eight o'clock. So you've got a little less than an hour for that. Only here on the West Side, Dollar Miller Lite drafts on the West Side store. So some great uh, specials. We've got two Glory Road DVDs from all that music on Lee Trevino. We're giving away. All you gotta do is come on down, sign up, register to win those. I've got tickets to the Patriots, tickets to the Diablos. I've got a caller hanging on the phone lines. Matt, I'll get to you in a moment, but before I do, you got a nice uh, you got a nice uh, brand new vehicle you're driving out here tonight. Oh, I'll tell you what, Travis Crawford has been absolutely uh, wonderful to me over the years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of coaches who are retired and they have to give their, their vehicle back. Yeah. And uh, I've had this one for a long time. Now, yesterday, uh, you wrote in this afternoon. It's yep. got UTEP all over it. I like the. I kind of wish it's orange, but it's green. Have you ever but driven the, an orange? Uh, I, have you ever driven a UTEP orange pickup truck? Uh, I don't even know if they make that. Oh, several years ago. I oh, did, did you? I had okay. Orange and uh, white. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Yep. UTEP colors. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a great I, vehicle. I very comfortable. Take this opportunity to thank GMC and Travis Crawford for all they've helped me over the years. Very nice. 880-5763-880-KROD. Just your phone calls here in hour number two. If you want to get in and talk to the Bear, now's your chance to do it. Let me go to Matt, who's up next on a mobile. Matt, thanks for your phone call. You're on with the coach. Uh, hey, coach. It's good to hear you on the radio again. Oh, thank you I, a lot, Matt. Appreciate I got it. A, I got a question. It might be a stupid question, but I've asked several people. How many teams were in the NCAA tournament the year you guys won the championship? Uh, what was the setup like then? Well, that's a good question. It is a good question. You know, uh, when when we first started going to NCAA, uh, we got final eight a couple of times, but there were 32 teams. Mm-hmm. So you had to win a, a game or so to uh, get to. Uh, uh, you know, I can't answer that. Question. I think 32 might have been the right answer. It might have been 32. Q, if you can check that for us back at the studio, well, you'd think and let I us would know. know. That'd be good. I know we played five games. You know, we started Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um, then we played Cincinnati overtime. Played Kansas uh, double overtime. Uh, then went, you know, then we played Utah. And there were no buys, right? Yeah, and there were 30. I think I, that's, I think that's I 32 teams. No, no I don't so, think we're in buys. Based on that format, that's a good, Coach? That's a, that's a very good question. Absolutely. I never thought of it. Good stuff, Matt. So I think it's 32. We'll double-check on that, but that makes a lot of sense because if you play one game, you go down to 16. You play two games, you go down to eight. Three games down to four. Four games down to two. And then your fifth game, you, you're the national champion. So maybe it is 32. That may, that could be right. It very well could have been. Uh, uh, I know when we started, you know, we played that first game over in Wichita, and we just got beat by mm-hmm. Seattle, so I wasn't a happy camper. I'm sure not. Uh, didn't didn't start Bobby Joe Hill, and uh, um, against Seattle he wouldn't do what I told him. You know, yeah. I told him you know we had an official wouldn't call anything, and Bobby Joe had cuts on his face and his mm-hmm. arms, and they haven't. And I kept telling him not to take it to the basket, and uh, 
didn't start him against Oklahoma City. Didn't play him for about 10 minutes and we're behind. And uh, uh, we were down about 10. When I put him back in, we're ahead 14 at halftime. It's amazing. <laughs> and sure enough, uh, the rest is history. Let's take another call for you right now. Let's go to David from the east side of town. Hi, David. You're on with Coach Haskins. Steve, hi, Coach. Uh, just uh, wanted, to say, wanted to say thank you for Saturday. I uh, went to that. Unfortunately, my number wasn't called yet, so I'll see you this Saturday. You didn't? Um, i tell you I, what. <clears throat> David, I'm very, very sorry. Uh, you know, I started signing at 1030, and uh, at around 4, what time did you leave? Oh, I left about 4 o'clock. About what time? 4 o'clock. Well, there was still uh, four or five hundred. I don't know how many. But this next week, um, uh, did you get one of those red tags? Sure did, Coach. Huh? Sure uh, did. I've got 800 to sign before we get started again. But El Paso something else um, when it comes to sports. I could not believe. I told uh, Dusty Henson, Saddle Blanket Company, he and his wife, they, they were expecting a humongous crowd. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I've signed some, I'd signed about 17,000 of those books. And I said, there couldn't be over 100 people come. And when I drove in and had a hard time finding a place to park, I knew uh, it was going to be a long, it was a long, long day, but a happy one. I really, really appreciate all the people. And I appreciate, it, it, I appreciate you coming back. I'll, Coach, I'll a, see you on Saturday. Sounds good. I had a question. Um, sure. I myself am a New Mexico Aggie, and I was just curious, which rivalry team did you enjoy the most coaching against? That's a great question. Yeah, it really is. New Mexico State, we had great rivalries with them. I had played against some good coaches over there. And uh, um, I think the rivalry, those two were, now New Mexico State was probably even, well, it was tougher uh, than the WAC because I always felt like we didn't need to get ready for them as much as you know you can only play so many games you can only get high so many times and uh, I tried to put everything into the WAC but uh, the rivalry with New Mexico that was something else there's usually uh, 19, 20,000 people and over at New Mexico State when we played over there that was jam-packed and a lot of times there's a lot of orange went over there. There might be four or 5,000. And they finally got to where they would split our folks up. But I have always uh, pulled for New Mexico State except when we're playing them. You know, I, I had three boys. Three of my sons went to New Mexico State. I appreciate the call, David. Thanks for getting in. That's another story in itself. How all of, uh, you know, actually not all, but about three of your four sons attended New Mexico State. I'm still wondering how that one happened. Well, they, uh, when we played uh, game day, playing the Aggies, all of them would wear a New Mexico State T-shirt. Yeah, that had to go over really big. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you enjoyed that. Did they have to uh, walk back home after that was over and done well, with? Well, um, I didn't <laughs> give them a ride over. No, not. no, it's all in good fun. And, and I think New Mexico State is a great university. And, uh, uh, you know, kids need to sometimes go out of town. I know uh, I know there's been players here in town that I've had mothers tell me they think their son ought to go out of town. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I can understand that. 
because I think you know sometime or another you got to cut the cord Absolutely. and uh, uh, go somewhere, you know, do something different. 880-5763-880-KROD if you want to get into the Don Haskins Show as we continue live here from uh, Fuddruckers West. The Dinner with the Bear at 5030 North Desert Boulevard. You can do so. Just mention the bear to the cashier and get 10% off your meal. And we talked about recruiting a little bit with Greg and talked about JC players. Um, I, I was curious since, you know, there have been some great coaches out there, but do you know of any coaches that you could see right now are some of the greats, but aren't really, uh, never really was considered a cheater, never uh, known to cheat to try to get their players? I love Bob Knight. I don't think, uh, I don't think a guy uh, knowingly has ever broken a rule. He's certainly not going to go buy a player. He's not mm-hmm. going to buy an AAU coach. And I think his recruiting is showing it right now. But uh, they will uh, they will never get to him. He's uh, he's above that, and that's why I think so much of him. And I don't mean that there's not others out there, right? But you know, we're talking about knowing a guy for a lot of years. And back in Indiana, um, he got the best players anyway, and he's he's not having his way with recruiting over Texas Tech. And uh, I would say if he's cheating, he's doing a poor job. It's one thing cheating and winning, but it's totally different not cheating and being able to put a winner on the court. And uh, I know that's something that you probably took a lot of pride in is that you did it the right way and you did it the right way all those years when you knew a lot of your friends around you and some of the other members of the coaching fraternity did it differently. Yes, that's difficult, but uh, I always felt if I was coaching a guy, I wanted to have his undivided attention, mm-hmm. and if you're giving him something, uh, uh, he can do whatever he wants. So, and that's the way with Knight. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Knight's the only one out there. He has been around a long time, yeah. and uh, uh, he's he's really got a clean slate. It hurt me very much mm-hmm. in the late or early '90s when we got on uh, probation. Uh, it was a car ride, uh, a couple, three car rides, yeah. and uh, my friend Stretch Elliott and a couple other people picking guys up at the dorm. And uh, um, I know why they came. I took Nora Mellenberger on as a volunteer assistant. The NCAA uh, had said he'd never coach again, and on a voluntary basis he did. Bob Knight and brought him to Indiana and he didn't hire him to pay him there. He was a volunteer. But he he got him in in a couple of classes teaching a couple of basketball theory classes. And uh, Norm is really a smart guy. Then when uh, Tim went to the Bulls, uh, I encouraged Tim to take him there. You know the guy he'd been he'd done some things wrong but he'd paid for it. And uh, he'd more than paid for it. And uh, Right now he's living top of Lake Michigan in a house that looks like a postcard. And, and guess what he's doing? He's driving a school bus and, and coaching girls basketball. Is he really? Yeah. He That's told, great. You know, he wants some girls plays that I used to run at Benjamin. <laughs> All right. Let's take our first break of the hour. But before we do, let's go to another call. 880-5763. It's uh, Abel joining us next on a mobile. How you doing tonight, Abel? Great. How you doing, Coach? Doing fine, Abel. You sound really, really good. That's fantastic, Coach. Well, thank. Oh, I know who this Abel is. I recognize <laughs> his voice. 
Yes, sir. How you doing? Good, Coach. Haven't Listen, seen, I just want to tell you that. I uh, haven't seen you since season's over. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just go say hi on Saturday. But I wanted to bring up. Uh, I was I was at school there when you switched over to the to the new gym. And I remember you, you guys really had a hard time winning that first game. That first game was against. Oh, we did. The Wyoming beat us. I tell you what, Abel, we had been to Wyoming, and we won over there. And the last two minutes of the game, uh, do you remember Jake Poole? Yeah, I sure do. Ron, uh, Ron Jones. I, lo I lost both of my guards for about six or seven games. You can't play without a guard. Yeah. So we had some uh, close games. That w we had a team that would really fight you. I think, I think Brewster was on that team. Yeah, but, he was. But we lost. It was freak accidents. In the last couple of minutes, uh, we had uh, BYU by 10 or something like that. And we have two ankle injuries within two or three minutes. You're right. We had a hard time winning. Yeah, Coach, uh, just describe that game, uh, how you remember it against BYU and uh, the fight with Lockhart and, and how you felt about it. And I'll hang up and listen. Okay. Uh, well, first off, uh, you know, the fans, we, it was an afternoon game and uh, nationally televised. And uh, at the end of the game, it was a hard-fought game. Kevin Hamilton's going to the other end for a free throw. Yeah. And we had an eight, ten-point lead. And... Uh, as they're coming up the floor, I can't remember that. What was that kid's name? Anyway, he hit Lester Goodwin. Oh, Scott Sinek. Scott Sinek. Absolutely. He hit uh, Goodwin was right behind him and, uh, and hit him in the mouth. Lockhart, who had fouled out, raced down there and swung at everything in a blue shirt. And, got, and before it was all over, we're in overtime. Mm -hmm. Now the game's over. So I'm... Now, you talk about being mad at a couple of guys. I'm mad at Lockhart Hart and, uh, and uh, Goodwin. I'm madder at Lockhart than anyone because uh, that was about – did you see the game? Yeah, that game was from 1985. I've, I've got that game on DVD. Okay. Well, anyway, they shot free throws. And it's a wonder we didn't get beat because mm -hmm. it's like a second or two left on the clock. And we went in, I think it was a double or triple overtime. I think triple I know overtime, yeah. It started at noon, and I walked out of there dark. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, it was a heck of a game. I ask, uh, I, can't, I can't tell what uh, Goodhart, uh, uh, Lockhart uh, said. I wouldn't talk to him for a week. <laughs> but Goodwin, I asked him what happened. He said, all I said was a nice game, but he left out, left out a couple words. That we so, can't repeat uh, on the radio. Huh? We can't repeat no, those words no, on the radio, that's for sure. That. But, Good stuff, uh, Abel. Thank you a lot, Abel. All right. Just underway right now, Miami and Dallas, 8805763. We'll take our first break of the hour. When we come back, we'll get coaches' thoughts on the NBA Finals and talk a little bit more about uh, the Heat and the Mavericks as it's just underway. 2 nothing Miami, first uh, few minutes of game number three. We are live at Fuddruckers, and we'll continue with more of the Don Haskins Show right here on News Radio KROD. Thank you. 
Welcome back. As we continue, lines available, 880-5763, 880-KROD. The Don Haskins Show continues. Coach, uh, you're having fun with this uh, one-pound burger right now, and I know you wanted to find out what kind of toppings were on that burger. Well, What is on that I was thing? wondering if there's fried onions on it or something. But this man put it away. So That's uh, amazing. That's the biggest burger I ever, I ever looked at. Well, he's going to get himself a free shot glass because that's exactly what, uh, what it's all need, about. I'll tell you what, if he can eat another, and I'll buy it. I'd, if he could eat two pounds. Not, I better not say that. If he could eat uh, two pounds of burger meat, uh, something uh, they, might, they might have to cart him off. That could be kind of <laughs> scary. It really could be. Um, as we mentioned earlier, it's uh, Dallas and Miami, 7-7 to score. Eight minutes left in the first quarter. And, uh, Coach, uh, we talked earlier about this series with Greg. 2 nothing so far. And you're right. A lot of people have been blaming Pat Riley, the head coach of the Miami Heat, for uh, the, Maver- for the um, Heat's performance in the first two games of the series. And I'm sure that made you laugh. Oh, that made me. That's hilarious. Uh, if uh, they were making outside shots, they might, still might not have won. Yeah. But uh, uh, the little coach, Avery Johnson, I think he's something else. And before we get to it, I can tell you a recruiting story about him. I'd love to hear but, that. But uh, uh, I think both of them uh, have, done, have done a fine job. And, you know, we talk about coaches. And, you know, Larry Brown, they claim is the best in the NBA. And when he was at Detroit, he won 60 games. Right. How many did he win with the Knicks this year? Um, I would say probably in the 20. high 20s. Yeah, yeah. One of the second wonder, worst record what, in the league. What, what happened? Oh, he's he's, he's obvious. a good coach. But uh, coaches can't win without players. Yeah. Look at Tim Floyd with the Bulls and, and, and the Hornets. He did a great job. Yeah. But he did a great job. Never had the talent and the resources uh, to try to, uh, well, to, to put a better he, team together. I'll tell you what, he lacked uh, last second shot with the Heat, or he'd have won the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And he had three guys hurt most of the year. Had a lot of troubles. I thought, uh, he, I thought he did a fantastic job. On the flip side, you look at the Mavericks. I'm hearing a lot of talk that Dirk Nowitzki could be the next Larry Bird. Is that a little premature in your mind? Is that too early to start making comparisons between Nowitzki and Bird? I don't think he'd play quite quite the same. You know, uh, Nowitzki, uh, he's seven foot. He mm-hmm. wants the ball. You know, he don't want it down low. He's not um, back to the basket player. He's a face-up player. And I've never seen a guy seven foot fade away four or five times on his shot and make them. I mean, he is utterly fantastic. And the thing that has changed about that team is uh, uh, Johnson, the little coach, has got him playing defense. Uh, since he took over, there's 12 or 13 point difference in their defensive average. I saw that on TV that night. Well, Dallas never was known for their defense. They were known to oh, outscore uh, everybody, but they, never played They got defense. 120 and give up yeah. 130. Exactly. And uh, uh, this guy has put it all together. Now, does he have any good players? When you can bring Jerry Stackhouse off the bench, mm-hmm. uh, you got a pre- you got a pretty good bench. Yes. And the other night, uh, he outscored Miami's bench, the entire bench. He himself, I think he got 20, 21, or 22. And he comes in. Um, that's unbelievable how good he is. 
and then he's not starting. But, you know, the greatest thing about having a team with, with a six-man that can come in, I've had a few like that, Willie Cager in 6'6", yeah. come off the bench. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if it was going to be good or bad, but was, something was going to happen. How about um, recently? Omar Thomas, a couple of years ago, his first year with the Miners, came off the bench the entire season, and the funny part was he was outscoring the majority of the starters on the team. Well, he was the leading scorer on the team. Yeah. Uh, his presence, uh, you know, they'd be out there and, and be a two or three-point game, and he'd normally make his first shot. Uh, he was a very enthusiastic player. Um, you know, he's 6'3", 6'4", and he played center, mm -hmm. you know, in the high-low post system that Doc ran. And uh, oh, what can I say? He's great, one of the greatest players that's uh, ever been here. 880-5763, 880-KRD, if you want to get in and have a question for the coach. Um, you were always known as a great free throw shooter yourself as a player. As a coach, minor players always were uh, typically very good free throw shooters. Why do you think Shaquille O'Neal has always had such a tough time making free throws in his NBA career? Okay, first off, his hands are so big, it'd be like shooting a softball. Okay. And I think if somebody would get a hold of him, and you know, they, this, when you start missing free throws, it gets embedded in your mind. He shoots them so flat that they have no chance to go in. Uh, if I had him, I don't know if he'd get him better, but I'd make him shoot it as high as the board, the arc. Mm -hmm. You know, if he'd get the ball up in the air. Uh, Nate Archibald was a horrible free thrower, and he become, uh, well, he led the league in scoring, the NBA in scoring, shot around uh, 88, 92%. Yep. And, uh, we had a small rim that I brought from Meenan, Oklahoma. And uh, the ball would, didn't have much space to go in. You get to where you shoot that. And I told Pat Riley when I saw him making the movie that I would get him not, not a rim that you put inside a basket, but all you fathers out there, if uh, now they've got to practice, but uh, make it big enough. You know, two basketballs will fit in a rim. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Two baskets. Okay. As big as a tub. And uh, um, that little rim helped Nate. Uh, Tim Hardaway shot on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times a guy, uh, some guys wouldn't use it, you know, yeah. not everybody. But Nate shot millions of shots on that and made himself a heck of a shoe. What'd you do with that little rim from Enid, Oklahoma? There was about seven or eight of them we finally had. And every time Nate Archibald come down, he'd steal one. <laughs> I think there's still a couple of them down there. Are there? Okay. Yes. It's a great story. 880-5763. 13-9, Miami leading Dallas right now. They are still playing with about six minutes left in the first quarter. Before we go to break, let me go to Frank from East El Paso. Frank, thanks for getting in. You're up next on the Don Haskins Show. Thanks, Stevie. And, uh, um, Coach, I wanted to tell you I'm a grad. Uh, graduated uh, from UTEP uh, in 88. I was there from 84 to 88. It was a wonderful period of time in my life because uh, uh, the basketball team gave us a lot to be proud of. And uh, I wanted to thank you for that initially. And then I had a question for you. Did you ever did you keep those letters, those hate letters that were <laughs> sent to you? No, um, and the reason I, I mean, I would be fascinated to read some of those, and I'm sure a lot of people would be, um, and I just wondered if you had kept any of those. 
No, I didn't. Um, I got to where I couldn't hardly stand to open one. Um, they claimed that there was uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 40,000. And uh, in the movie, why they didn't uh, build that up, I don't know. They knew the story. Yeah. And uh, um, that was the toughest time of my life after we won. But, you know, they'd bring them in, the secretaries would bring them in, and, uh, uh, you know, paper. I'm talking about the big cans. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I finally made myself ill reading them. Uh, ignorant people, all of them coming in the South, and uh, uh, had no idea what I'd done. Uh, you know, everything had been, you know, this is a great town, so we had no problems here. I got a couple letters, sure. Yeah. But uh, nothing, you know, nothing to write home about. We had a great athletic director, George McCarty. Uh, uh, Dr. Joe Ray was our president. Uh, not one time did he ever come to me and uh, uh, tell me what, who to play, who not to play. I don't know how I reacted to that. Uh, uh, I don't think I would have, uh, I, I wouldn't like that very well. You know, the guy that, that really was responsible for me when I first got here was Ben Collins, who was our football coach and athletic director. And uh, Ben left a year later and started teaching. But uh, Ben's a great guy, and I remember Dr. Ray told him, we're getting off that other story, but Dr. Ray told him, he said, he's your boy, you know, and uh, they're taking a pretty good chance, a guy coming from a small school. Yeah. But uh, I've enjoyed every year of it. Uh, I didn't, I think the worst time in my life was after winning the national championship. Well, that's fascinating, Coach, that that's the worst time because Everybody in El Paso thought it was the greatest time, and uh, again, the, the best of, of well, luck to you, and, and thank you so much for, for your service to this great town. Well, thank you very much, Frank, and let me say this. Our players, uh, they were having a good time at that time, and they wouldn't get in the hate letters. <laughs> no, it was all going to you, not to them. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'd all come to me. <laughs> we'll take a break, come back, final 30 minutes with Coach Haskins and more from Fuddruckers West. The Don Haskins Show continues right here on News Radio KROD. Tim, how about you? I'm doing good. You wish you were fishing, though, don't you? I, I'm fishing because you told me I needed to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, Coach, you mentioned that you were heading tonight to, uh, to San Diego for a speaking engagement. How have things been going for you uh, in, in Southern California since the end of the season? Well, we've had a, a tough uh, three-week period here. In the last uh, three weeks, we've lost our starting backcourt. We, our, our point guard, uh, Ryan Francis, was murdered in Baton Rouge three weeks ago, and then back from the funeral and found out that our off-conference off-guard, Gabe Pruitt, was uh, academically ineligible. We've had these two losses at a time when uh, it's really too late to replace players. Uh, it, it certainly could have been a better off-season for us. Ryan Francis uh, was quite a player, Tim. I watched all your games last year. I thought he's one of the best freshmen uh, <clears throat> in the Pac-10. Um, I look to your building behind this kid all the way, and uh, you know we hate to say we lose him. 
I, I know basketball isn't the most important thing, but you know, he's a guy and the way I've heard the story that he's in a car and they're shooting at somebody else and he happens to catch the bullet. Now the kid that's ineligible, I think he could have taken care of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he could have taken care of his own business and didn't, and uh, we were going to move him to the point spot. So now we're basically stuck without a point guard. And I remember working with you, that's all you ever talked about was having great guards and uh, and caught without one right now. Uh, Tim, I don't think you can play basketball without a good guard. I don't know. No. I don't know what you're going to do, but uh, I think you're one of the top five coaches in the nation and you'll you'll come up with something and you'll figure out a way to stay in games whether or not you know this last year I didn't think you had much talent the the kid you lost the guard he was a freshman wasn't a highly recruited player the kind of a player you told me uh, you know he was tough hard-nosed would do what he's told and uh, those are few and far between I know you're gonna really really uh, miss that but you'll come up with something I hope so. In the intro to the show, y'all talked about the fact that you're going to talk about things other than, uh, Coach, you still there? You're going to talk about things other than basketball. Um, yeah. How long have these steroids been around, Coach? Did, did, did you use them when you played baseball? I guess he was asking about steroids because of uh, all of the talk now with steroids and baseball. He wanted to know if that was something when you were hey, playing Kim, ball, if you used steroids. How do you think I got all these muscles when I was a kid? <laughs> no, I have no idea until they started talking about baseball players. You know, the thing that gets me is Barry Bonds. No, I'm not a fan of the, because uh, I, I, you know, we all know what he's been doing. But I, I really uh, wonder why, you know, you don't hear um, uh, Mark McGuire's name, you don't hear Sosa's name, you don't hear this guy. And it's all because he's breaking a record. And uh, if they could put it totally, totally out of baseball, I've noticed uh, that, uh, uh, you know, the pitcher for uh, uh, the Diamondbacks, uh, something happened there. And I think, I think Major League Baseball is toughening up and they're going to get things in line. The thing I don't understand is like in football when a guy gets caught on drugs, mm -hmm. Or what have you, like, uh, let's say Ricky Williams, yeah. and they suspend him four games, or people they suspend for four games. I think they'd get your their attention better if they suspend them for maybe a year or two or life. Right, when they take the money away from them, uh, that's when you get their attention. Absolutely. Coach Floyd, did you find uh, your first year last year in the Pac-10, was it what you expected in terms of uh, the overall level of competition? Well, uh, you know, I guess I got a, became a product of the Eastern bias after a while. Even though I, I grew up in the WAC, I knew how strong the old WAC was and what a great league it was. But, uh, um, you know, I, I thought that maybe it was a three or four team league, and I didn't really give the bottom teams enough respect for how good some of these other programs were. And it was far better than what I thought it was going to be. Uh, teams like Washington State, for instance, finished last in their conference and beat the University of Washington twice. And Washington was a team that uh, very easily could have gone to the Final Four. They had a controversial call that kept them out of the Final Four along with UCLA. And, uh, you know, Oregon 
conference, and I thought they were uh, arguably the third most talented team in our league. So, deeper than I thought. Uh, the teams up in the Northwest were far better than I thought. It's, it's kind of raised the bar for us in terms of what we have to do with our recruiting in terms of turning this thing around. Uh, Tim, <clears throat> when I started watching, you know, I've watched Pac-10 games for years, but I haven't, you know, since you were in the leg, all of a sudden I started watching every game I possibly could. And uh, from top to bottom, it's unbelievable. Like uh, Arizona State, um, you know, all those teams, the entire bunch. Arizona was having a tough time last year. You know, they go over and Washington State's liable to beat anybody in the country on a given night. But because of the way the coach plays, he, you know, he's not in a big rush to shoot. They get back on defense. And I, I, great coaches in that entire league. Great coaches. It really was. And, you know, some coach that the people in El Paso might be interested in is that we have Paul Cunningham's son coming out here next year. Oh, I know, and what what a great guy he was, uh, Tim. Uh, uh, I remember sitting talking to his mother, and uh, she wanted to know how many minutes he's going to play. And and after a couple of weeks, Tim, uh, uh, Paul came up to me, and I don't I don't even know how we got him. I was trying to tell her I didn't know, and uh, Paul came up in the hallway and said. Coach, I understand why you can't give minutes away. You got to earn them, and he said, "I will earn mine." Did uh, Tim Floyd recruit uh, Paul Cunningham? Yes, I did. So, yeah, along so, with Coach Haskins' help. So, you know, so, uh, he was a he was a diligent. Why recruit. did you let me even go? You know, most of the time when you're talking to recruit, you wouldn't let me talk to him two minutes. I don't know how I ended up last in that house. It's a wonder I didn't mess that up. I'm just amazed because now we're looking at, Tim, do you realize this is the first, probably second generation college basketball player that uh, you've had a hand in recruiting? Yeah, and, and that's, that's a new thing for me. We've got Marvin Washington, another ex-minor, his son coming out to our camp this weekend. Um, and uh, I'm just hoping that Quentin Gates and Kevin Hamilton and Lester Goodwin, some of those guys end up <laughs> with some great players along the way. We can still use all the help we can get. Some of these guys out here can really recruit at Arizona and UCLA and Joe Romar, Washington. They're terrific. And uh, I wasn't aware that Marvin had a son. Uh, are you sure he isn't a football player? <laughs> he's six seven, about two thirty, and he's going well, he in the might ninth be grade. a football player. Then <laughs> I don't know. But uh, hey, oh, you, you know, I just want to say this, Tim. I want to thank you. For the nine years you spent with me, uh, uh, things uh, certainly progressed. Uh, I wouldn't have won many games if it hadn't been for you. And uh, I want to thank you for all your help. I think you're one of the very best. And one of the other things I want to thank you for is three or four months that you spent with Disney uh, on the film. Because uh, without you, you know, I know watching the film, it, I've seen sports movies before where they show head and shoulders, and I, I don't think anyone would know how, how much time you spent in trying to uh, teach these guys to play as a team. Uh, you even had them running a fancy offense, uh, the flex. And <laughs> well, Coach, uh, you know how I feel it. about you, and uh, 
And for those people in El Paso that don't know, uh, Coach gave me a job when I was 22 years old, and uh, I didn't deserve it. Uh, he hired me because he saw my dad's name on the bottom of a letter, and he's going to throw the letter away. And, well, it's because your handwriting is so bad. <laughs> yeah, my handwriting still isn't very good. <laughs> it's better. I've checked it. But anyhow, uh, you know, everything I know about basketball I learned in El Paso, and uh, they were the greatest years of my life, and uh, we still follow the minors and pull for Doc. I, I think he's done an incredible job that program. I really do, and uh, I know that it's tough when you take over for a successful coach, and Billy had success, but uh, kept it going. Well, Coach, listen, we want to thank you for coming on and, and starting the show this afternoon and, and talking with us. And uh, hopefully uh, you could at least have a little downtime during the offseason and, and try to uh, enjoy yourself before things get to be real hectic here in a couple weeks. That'd be great. And Coach, you're supposed to come hey. out to L.A. now August the 4th. you got to uh, uh, okay. you coming out here. Tim, I'm don't... planning on doing that. Thank you a lot for coming on. Take care. We'll see you. You bet you. There you go. Adios. USC head basketball coach Tim Floyd getting us started on the program and uh, some amazing things. And you talk about adversity. Losing your entire backcourt the way he did a few weeks ago is unbelievable. Um, somewhere or another, he'll survive it. Yeah. I believe it. Let's take a break. We continue with more of the Don Haskins Show. 880-5763 if you want to get through. Only on News Radio. It's KRD 600. <laughs> the Don Haskins show as we continue live from Fud Ruckers West. Steve Kaplowitz along with Hall of Fame coach Don Haskins. Dollar Miller Light Draft still going on here on the West Side location till 8 o'clock. Not to mention if you buy any one pound burger you're going to get a free shot glass uh, when you finish it and uh, we just saw right in front of us gentlemen knock down that one pound burger coach. Quite an exhibition. Yes. You talk about basketball exhibitions. That right there is an eating exhibition. And uh, you're probably full from just watching him eat the burger. Boy, I'll tell you what, he's not very big. No. He's got a lot of room in that stomach, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, currently, it's 20-16, to 16, Miami leading Dallas. 3.48 left in the first quarter of this game. You've gotten to know um, Pat Riley. Would you believe I just saw Shaq make a free throw? That is scary. Yeah. And, and by the way, do you notice how great this arena looks? It's all, they've got all their white all shirts white. on. Yeah. How great is that when fans show up wearing the same color? I've never seen uh, where it's just solid white. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't really know how they get this started. The heat or, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, but I'll tell you what, that entire stadium has a white shirt. It's amazing. Even the kids, I saw a picture the other day, and they had uh, on some little kids, and they had white shirts on. Tell me about uh, getting to know uh, Pat Riley a little bit uh, during the making of the movie. You spent some time with him, and uh, probably that, was that the first time you've really had a chance to, to sit down and, and, and talk to, uh, to Pat uh, extensively? I uh, went out to eat with uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, Jim Gartner, uh, and uh, Riley showed up. Now, J uh, Jerry Bruckheimer and, and uh, Pat mm -hmm. are very good friend. Okay. And uh, Bruckheimer is from Kentucky as is his wife. So anyway I asked Pat when I first met him, I looked at him and I said what are you doing here? And he said protecting Ada. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's, uh, he's someone that has called that game the Emancipation Proclamation and talked about what that really meant for uh, the face of basketball and, and the civil rights movement at the time. And someone who, you know, I've heard some Kentucky players have still remained kind of bitter over the years. He's a guy that's been you know, a little different attitude and, and someone who's really been uh, very positive when he talked about that game. Well, now, he's a coach, and he's yeah. coaching. Uh, uh, he wouldn't be very smart if he said anything bad because he's got black players on his team. True. So, but I, I really think that, uh, you know, I asked Pat that night, and this getting off the, but anyway, he had a phone call, and I heard him say Shaq. So they talked a few minutes, and they had a $5 bet on weight. And uh, uh, this must have been in August, uh Whenever before they started, and they had some kind of a bet uh, per day on on weight, mm-hmm. and he called Pat telling me he won five dollars. So I asked Pat after uh, uh, after he's off phone. I said, "What's Shaq like?" He said, "The greatest guy ever." And he was telling me his story. He said, "You know, he hadn't been here very long, and he went into ticket office, and he bought everything." And it, and it scared, you know, it scared uh, uh, the heat. Yeah. Because normally, you know, when your star wants something, he gets it. Yeah. So he bought a little over four hundred thousand dollars worth of seats and wow. scared them to death. And uh, at the end, he got it together and he got them in all parts of the stadium. So I guess he didn't want some people sitting together. And uh, so anyway, Pat said that after he got through. They're in shock over the tickets that uh, he wanted. Yeah. Not expecting him to pay. Pulled out his checkbook and wrote a check for four hundred and twenty thousand. That's amazing. Well, uh, then again, Shaquille O'Neal. There's guys up there that wouldn't do that. No, not at all. Matter of fact, there are most guys I would expect that that'd be part of the deal as opposed to taking care of that. So, I, I understand. Uh, you know, made me Shaq like him better. Yeah. Um, some people have been critical of Shaq's performance and saying that Shaq is slipping, Shaq is losing it after these first two games. Um, like the Pat Riley criticism, does that, that does that make you laugh as well when they talk about Shaq like that? Oh, it makes me laugh. Uh, uh, you know, if you get a chance to trip, double and triple team a guy, mm-hmm. they won't let him dribble it into the middle. Yeah. He's not a jump shooter, and he's got to you know take it in the middle somewhere to score, and. Uh, he can take it to the middle. In this game right here, uh, I'm not uh, getting to see too much of it. Right. But if uh, they make some perimeter shots, they'll have to go guard him, and Shaq will be able to do his thing. Yeah. And Pat Riley will get a lot smarter. Do you consider O'Neal, um, we know he's one of the most dominant big men of all time, but when you look at some of the great big men over the years, guys like Kareem, Olajuwon, Ewing, Russell, Chamberlain, where do you see Shaq among the immortals at center? Oh, he's right here with all of them, I think. Yeah. You, you know, you're talking about a guy that's got quick feet. Did you see him steal the ball a couple games ago? I guess it was in the other series. And go down and dunk it and beat a guard back. This guy can run. Uh, first time I saw him in person, I was with Tim Floyd. And the Bulls. Yeah. And uh, first thing I noticed, his feet. God, this guy's 310, and his feet are like a tap dancer. Well, 
On the other side of the equation, you've got the Dallas Mavericks coach, and you're dealing with Avery Johnson, who's had an amazing season coaching this team. And uh, a lot of minor fans don't realize that Avery Johnson was someone who, like Gary Payton, could have ended up a minor. Um, I wish you hadn't brought that up, Steve. <laughs> Tim Floyd got Avery Johnson out of St. Augustine. You remember Juden Smith? Yes. All right, Avery Johnson never started in high school. And Tim is telling he'd watched him, and he had a great eye for talent. And another one I should have paid a little more attention to. Well, anyway, Tim put Avery uh, in junior college over at Hobbs. Yeah. Well, when he got out, you know, he couldn't shoot. He could do everything but shoot. And I told him, I'm sick of, tired of hauling in players that couldn't shoot. And uh, so anyway, Avery went to uh, uh, Cameron A&M. That's where Jim Barnes was. And that was a junior college. It was a little four-year school. Yeah. Then uh, he transferred the next year to Southern University okay. in Baton Rouge. And uh, now how he got in the NBA, I don't know, but... I know in 88, he led the league in assists. Every team he's been on, you know, his character shows it. I know the other, the last game, they had the mic down on him. He said, you know, they're ahead by 24, 25 going in the fourth quarter. He said, it's a tie game. It's a tie game. He's a feisty little guy that knows something about playing defense because that's all he could do. What, what made, that's the only thing that kept him in leg, playing defense and, uh, uh, and assist. Uh, was that something, was that a tactic of yours, a favorite tactic, telling your team when you're up by 25 points that it was a tie game and to treat it like that? Yeah, that's right, but they don't listen. <laughs> and the other night, that game got down to 11 or 12. That's true. That's very true. Let's go back to the phones. Gill's up next from the west side of town. Hi, Gill, you're on with the coach. Hello, Steve. Coach, how you doing? How you doing, Gil? Hey, Gil. Doing fine. Hey, Coach, uh, year before last, uh, Texas Tech was playing uh, Oklahoma State on ESPN. And they had, uh, before the game, they had Eddie Sutton and Bob Knight uh, sitting together uh, doing the pregame show. And they were talking about the Iba tree. And I just want you to know that to, to no surprise of anybody, those two guys, the first name they dropped was yours. And they said that you're the guy that started it all. And that nothing uh, from my buck came through uh, through them if it hadn't been through uh, Don Haskins first. Well, I didn't see that, but uh, I appreciate it very much. And Eddie and I have been close over the years, and uh, Knight extremely close. That was uh, one yeah. heck of a compliment that they paid you, and yes, I, I didn't well, expect I didn't I, expect anything less coming from those two guys. I appreciate that very much, and I I wish I'd heard it. I really didn't. Gil, thanks Thank for the phone you. call and sharing that. That's, that is great stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but I guess not surprising because those two are guys that I think have so much respect for the game and how it's and, and, and the roots of the game that they would recognize that and, and immediately put you at the top of that list. Well, uh, you know, Bob Knight and uh, Miss Driver were great friends. And uh, now what Olympics was it in L.A. that Knight coached? Uh, 84, I think. Okay. Uh, Coach I, he had Coach Ibe on his bench. Mm -hmm. And I think Pete Newell, one of the older coaches. Yep. So he had a lot of brains on that bench. Yes, he did. Lots. I, I doubt if he's listening. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a very nice compliment to pay 
you know, a couple of guys that uh, uh, have done the, the game of basketball. Absolutely. Uh, they, did, they just did wonders for uh, basketball in general.